Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM and 1220. All right. We're here for another week of the Ask Brian radio show. And you're on it, KHS. KHS is like, no other station in the world. That's what they say. That's the branding. <laughs> well, our co-host, Tracy, happy birthday. It's a birthday today. I bet you didn't know that, Emily. It's Tracy's birthday today? Today. Oh, my gosh. And guess who else? crowd had a birthday and it was me Woo! emily so everyone now knows emily is now allowed to drink that's no i was already allowed to drink <laughs> i've been drinking for, for years <laughs> decades <laughs> it's amazing that there's any alcohol left in the bar um <laughs> wow would love to see it <laughs> anyway for those of you who have never listened to the Ask Brian radio show, we have an episode every week. We've been doing this now since January 2017. It's five years and three months. That's a long time. Over 63 months of episodes. Each week, we try to help business owners solve business problems by interviewing startup companies, interviewing people in the know on business, trying to teach business lessons. But everybody also says that has never been on this show why is Ask Brian spelled A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N? And today, our co-host slash guest, now that's a very unusual thing to happen, to have a co-host and a guest, but he has multiple, uh, let's see, let's. I won't go say multiple personalities because he might not be happy with that, but he definitely has multiple skill levels and he actually can multitask, something a lot of people don't do nowadays. So Alex, uh, why is Ask Brian spelled with an E? Because when I went to school, everyone spelled it B-R-Y-A-N or B-R-I-N. Why do people spell it with an E? Well, Mr. Brian Johnson, you know, in my opinion, it's always because the show is excellent. And, you know, I also think the show is made up of extremely experienced people that have a lot of enthusiasm. But really, what it's all about is experts on the show that are hoping to educate people while showing a little bit of empathy. And of course, for Emily, the engineer who is now older. What do you think about that? I think it's because it's electrifying, like grease lightning. I like Alex's answer better. <laughs> he tries to put everything all together all at once. You know, you can't put it all together all at once. You got to like space it out. You know, when you tell a joke or you tell a story, you don't want to tell it all at once. You give it away all in the beginning. You got to like get your audience going, get people going. You're just like, oh, I'll just put it all together. One long sentence. Okay. Anyway, we are back. That was a long sentence, by the way, there. You know, that was putting it all together. You just did that. You realize that, right? Well, we don't, I don't believe in grammar. That's why I went to law school. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, we're all going to sing happy birthday to Emily. Okay? Alex, you ready? <laughs> uh, I'm always ready. 
Happy birthday. Are you going to come <laughs> join me or not? I- I'm getting there when we get to Emily. Come on, Emily. you got to sing along yourself there. Happy birthday to you, Emily. Happy birthday. Well, she, she's blushing. I don't think she cha, wants Cha, cha, cha. I know. Cha, cha, cha. <laughs> you got to make it fun. Hey, I didn't know. I, yeah, I didn't realize that she's uh, into that type of dancing. The rumba, cha, 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 bolero, yeah. uh, the waltz. I don't know. Anyway, uh, people didn't call in for that, though. So we're going to go right into and try to help people out. So, Alex, you have some expertise in selling a business. And uh, so we're just trying to understand. Uh, first of all, are you talking about selling a a startup, a brand new business, a concept that hasn't been created, or, or we're talking about a business that has you know revenue and sales for a number of years, and, and you're trying to calculate out what, what what type of business are we trying to sell? What is our widget? Well, you know, Brian, it's really interesting because I think you have to look at it as the reason you'd want to sell a business, and I think you know I've been involved in the sale of all of those, and for good reasons and not so good reasons, and I think it's always you know starting out with. Why do you want to sell it? And, you know, some cases in a startup environment, sometimes, you know, you just hit it big and you're looking for the next big thing and you're saying, well, this is the time, the market is right, my idea is fantastic, and I can really cash out. And that, that's, that's really what we hope everybody's trying to do. But there's always so many other reasons that people want to sell. I, I mean, you know, the number one reason, you know, for a guy like you, you're older now, uh, unlike Emily, you're ready to retire, so you might want to sell your business because of that. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, over 40, you're ready to go, right? I mean, isn't that what Alex, folks want to do? Let me get into age, Mr. Uh, uh, ancient One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but the reason a lot of people, you know, really sell their businesses are because, you know, it's a partnership or there's, there's two or three people involved and they'd always get along well. That's usually not the reason to sell your business, but sometimes that's the reason. Uh, the someone, other reasons that I find. How could someone ahead, not sorry. get along? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, every, we get every, along. Par- every partnership I know, everybody does everything 50 50. They all put in 50% of the money each. They all do 50% of the work. They do 50% of the shows. They do 50% of the website development. They do 50 50 on everything. Everybody I know. Do you also have unicorns in that in that fantasy <laughs> world that you live in? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't always work like that. So that's a reason a lot of businesses sell. But, you know, sometimes that's not the right time to sell. It's the same reason that a lot of people will say, well, I'm, I'm working too hard. I'm not making any money, so I need to sell. Or, you know, I'm bored. It's not really turning out the way. And probably the worst time to sell a business is when it's not making money. Right? That that's That's probably... You know, people always look at it and they go, I got to get out of this business because it's not making money. And then you say to yourself, well, you know, why would someone else want a business that's not making money? So is that really the smart thing to do to sell it or do I work the hardest? I mean, I've always found the reason to sell is you've got the business. It's either at the right time or, or the right place and it's worth a lot more money. So now you can, you know, and we're going to talk about multiples and things, but now's the time to sell it because I'm making a lot of money. And, of course, you know, that goes against reason. If I'm making money, why would I sell? Well, maybe you're making money because you're working 100 hours a week. Or maybe you're making money, but, you know, you hate your partner or vice versa. So that, those are the main reasons, unless you have some others. I mean, I do. I, I have a very big, look at that. I have a very big one, okay? Number one reason people sell their business, okay? 
they have big tax consequences. They're getting older. Their sons don't want to participate in the business or their girls' daughters don't want to participate in the business, and they need to get it sold before massive tax consequences. So that's one reason, right? Have you heard of that one before? I've actually heard of that one. I never consider that a, a, a valid reason, though, because I think that at that point, you know, I don't mind. Okay, government's listening, hopefully. I don't mind paying taxes as long as I'm making money. Okay, well, I'm, I've just sent that over to the IRS, so they will be contacting <laughs> you tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they will. And, and his number is uh, just like Jenny, 8675309. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that song. So <laughs> that's uh, Alex Grossman. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and with his iPhone and Facebook, I'm sure they all know where he is at the moment. Um, <laughs> so that's one major reason, right? The, the other major reason is, you know, maybe they – I would say disagreement probably is, is probably the number one. Disagreement among the yeah. partners or maybe they, they want to just sell it out because they want to, you know, retire or maybe not retire but go into another business venture. Those, those are the big ones. Yeah, I, I find, too, the other one, and I've been in this as well, is where you, you have a number of partners and, and some people want to continue going the same direction and others want to pivot the business. It, it's not uncommon, no matter what the business is. I mean, everything from, from a restaurant to a, uh, you know, to a high-tech startup, people get into it for a reason. They're all on the same page. And as the business you know, evolves, they tend to go in different directions. They, you know, people want to add new products or new services and others say, no, you know, where we are is perfect. I don't want to touch the business working well. And, you know, that part, that goes into part of the boredom with the business. You know, I don't want to do the same thing. I want to go forward. And people have to really think about that because selling a business is, it's a big thing. I mean, you know, it's like taking a part of your life. You know, I've, I've heard this said a few times, I've gone to that business for the last 20 years, and now all of a sudden I sold it. In the morning, I, I don't know where to drive to. You know, I, I, I'm so used to stopping at Starbucks, getting a coffee, you know, getting to my business, and I sit down at my desk. You know, that, that's a hard thing to break. I, I mean, people stay in businesses sometimes too long, and it becomes that second thing where they're not making money because they just don't want to leave the business. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Another big point before we get into valuation, which is a big part of our show today, is tax consequences, right? So if you started the business and you put $225,000 into the business, all right, and now you're selling it for a million dollars, you know, you're going to have a tax consequence. You've, and so do you know what basis means? Of course. Okay. So, but does everybody? That's the question. Well, that's why I'm asking you because we're trying to educate the audience. Emily is like, she's like going, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. Tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. So let's tell Emily and the rest of the audience what is basis. Are you there? You're on a roll. Go. Oh, no, I want you to tell us. You know, this isn't baseball. You know, we're not talking about first base, second base. What, is what it is? the cost of? The whoa, payment? whoa, whoa! Go wait, wait, it. come on, Emily. Give go, it to go, it. Go, go, go. Come on. It's the cost of the business. Well, very, very close. Oh, yeah. Close. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. What, what, what else is included in the cost? Um, I don't know. I'm just looking at Google. Oh! <laughs> a nasty word. Google. Yeah. Is that a verb, an adjective? What is that? So, now I'm probably going to call us from Google right now. My, my SEO on my website is now down to 5,000 pages because uh, uh, I just uh, made a nasty comment about Google. Anyway. Um, yeah. 
I can see the score going down every second. But basis, my understanding is, would be, as an example, everything that was put into the company. So uh, it could be money. That's usually the number one thing, and usually just like a house, right? So if you if you have a company and you've spent a lot of money, you might have value in a trademark or a symbol that uses the product of the company. You may have a patent on the product, whatever. You may have customers. So, I mean, there's a lot. But of- it's also your losses. It's also your losses on the other side of that, right? Right. So the so basis is all the money you put in, all the value that you, you've, you've achieved. I mean, for me, it's always been patents. It's been trademarks. It's been the important piece like that, but it's always been the losses as well. You know, how much personal money did I put in? What did I, what did I invest in R&D? You know, what did I outsource? So that, that's the biggest the basis. One, that, the biggest ahead, one we're going to get to, and Emily's going to look this up, and we're going to do it later on in the show, not now, because it's a very complicated concept. It's called goodwill. Wow. Oh, I love that one. And it's not. Was there something about people hunting that? Don't people <laughs> hunt goodwills? I heard yes, that somewhere. Ben Affleck yeah. and, and Matt Damon both did that. Uh, so oh, did Robin yeah. Williams. Anyway, getting back away from EDD that we both have, let's go back and concentrate. So, how do you value a business? So, here I am. I have this business. It's called the Happy Birthday Emily business, and I want to sell it. How do I figure out a valuation? This is it's the hardest thing to do, right? Business valuation. Everybody thinks, and, and this is, again, part of the timing of when you're going to sell your business and when you're not, and, and that goes back to, is the business making money or not? Is the business seasonal? You know, does it only make money around, you know, the holidays, or is the business make money, you know, in, in the spring or in the fall? And, and that has something to do with the overall valuation because well, as you look at business valuations, it's the type of business, you know? The business, like anything else, is only worth what someone will pay for it. And that really has to do with where is your business located? Is it local? Is it online? You know, what type of business is it? And a lot of times, you know, you really want to get someone to appraise the business to do an independent valuation because just having that piece of paper that says what the value of the company is does two things. Number one, it makes any buyer or potential buyers feel better that someone has, with, with let's say, credibility has, has valued the business. The other thing it does, and this is what I find that usually happens, is someone looks at that valuation, they have this idea, my business is worth $50 million, and the valuation came in at $1 million or $500,000. And, and people are like, but that can't be. You know, I made, you know, my business revenue was $10 million, uh, you know, for the last five years, and then you look at the bottom line of the business, and it made, you know, minus $25,000, right? And so people have a, a very interesting way of value. And I know you can't wait to tell people how valuation is actually done. So let's go into that a little bit. Since you're an expert and have value. These well, I, I'm not an expert, especially not like you or Emily, but let's go through some factors. So one oh. factor can be in certain businesses based on revenue. That sells. So if you did $3 million in revenue, you can value business based on the revenue. It doesn't always work out, but there are, there are valuation methods through that. Another one that you talked about, which was based on the net income slash loss. Now, loss is very difficult to figure out a valuation, but if you have a net income, you can determine that sometimes. Like, for instance, in the stock market, we have called price to earnings. So you take the stock price over the earnings. That's a P-E ratio, right? So that that's one basis, right? A lot of trouble with the problem is when you get into intangible assets. 
So intangible assets, and Alex, do you want to tell us what that is, or do you want me to go through that? Oh, I, I just, I'm sorry, I was clearing my throat, believe it or not. But uh, <laughs> no, go, go through that, because I, I want to talk about tangible assets as well, because I have a really interesting story about that just recently. But go, drive through that, please. So intangible assets are, are, are not physical assets that you can't see or touch. And those are usually the biggest assets in many, many businesses. For instance, a startup that says, hey, we're going to get a following of 10 million people uh, and we're still working on the program, but it's not up and running, okay? You can't really do it on a tangible item basis there, right? Uh, basically, anything that's intellectual property oriented is typically going to be have more of its valuation based on, on an intangible asset allocation as opposed to a physical allocation of stock or cash or inventory of those items. So the main thing would be, hey, I came up with a super duper XY and the XY, did you get a patent on that? Yes, I did. Well, that's going to create value, right? Or I, I created a course and that course is copyrighted and nobody can copy that. So uh, that has value or a trademark. Like for instance, what do you think a McDonald's store would be worth if they didn't have the McDonald's name? Uh, Probably not a lot. So there's a lot of valuation in, in these intangibles, and that's where the category goodwill comes in. And that has a lot to do with the valuation of a business. And that, as we say, nobody can really sometimes value that on a calculation uh, basis. It's very difficult to come up with how much it's worth. It's based on projections, uh, maybe subscriptions, maybe growth rates. All are factors to determine the valuation, uh, whereas then you have the brick and mortar, and you know we've got 10,000 uh, scuba diving suits, and we're selling 9,000 a year, and so we're going to make X, Y, Z. You can figure out a calculation for that. But you know, I'm not a math right. guy or an accountant or a lawyer, so I don't know any of this stuff. So. That's a lot of truth there. I, I agree there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Actually, you are a math guy in it accountant and a lawyer, and, and, and I'll, I'll give you the other side. From the, from the business perspective, one of the hardest things is always really, you know, value, valuing your own business is really difficult because the sweat equity factor you think you put in has value where the buyer never sees that, right? I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you, for instance, in the semiconductor business recently, there were a number of people who overstocked, you know, last couple of years because their sales went down. Well, semiconductor prices, in some cases, have gone 10 to 20 times, even 100 times what they were. And these people who were in a really heavy stock position and their company valuations were super low because, you know, they had $100 million in stock and they were selling $3 million a year when the market fell out. And now, all of a sudden, that $100 million in stock is worth a billion dollars. Uh, so the valuation changed quite a bit. So that, that, that's a little bit of a unicorn, but it, but it does happen. The other side of it that's, that's really hard is comps. So, you know, you, you have to get competitive analysis of your company versus others. What's the comparison of your company versus others in your field? And when you have a well-established business, your favorite one is the furniture store, right? If you have a furniture store, you pretty much can value it pretty well. Startups are a little harder. High tech is a little harder. But comps are always good when someone is doing really, really well in your business and you can look like you're essentially uh, destined to be able to take over their position. Comps are hard when you're the best guy in the business and everybody else is, you know, one half or one third of, of your revenue, your sales, and of course your profit, which is the most important thing. Th that's when comps sometimes don't work. So you, you can't always, if you bring in a valuation company, you really have to look at 
what they do and, and really tune it a little bit. Not that you want to, of course, rip off anybody's buying the company. You want to be honest 100%. You know, morals and ethics are important, but, you know, you want to be honest with yourself, but you also want to make sure that you get the best value for the company. Because it can change quite a bit, as you know. I mean, should we talk about multiples? Why don't you talk about multiples a little bit? They say, what are the multiples? So, you know, what, what, what should I expect to get based on my revenue, based on, based on let's say, my net profit? Where, where should I be with that? And I know you've, uh, you, you, you being the non-accountant and non-lawyer have a lot of good ideas about that. Well, first of all, let's go through – hold on. Emily, this is for you. We're going to have – we want you to look up the word multiples. Okay, well. Look up the word multiples. So we'll be, we'll be – Not multiplicity. That was a movie. <laughs> what is a multiple? So we're going to find that out. And Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's no, a I, long that's, sentence. Oh, boy is not, not a, what a multiple is, but you're close. Unless you're talking about the, uh, the Chef Boyardi. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. There we go. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think you should both explain this because <laughs> go ahead. a lot of words. Okay, some of them. Uh, oh, and we never ever said a lot of words. <laughs> See, there we go. That's the problem with you know today's society. Too many words. <laughs> Emily, are you going for your MBA? You have a lot of words. I just that don't think like an MBA would understand it. Well, go give us a paraphrase. Give us something. What does Google say? You know, so they want to challenge me. They're gonna. <laughs> they're up against the bronze. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is, this is like celebrity, uh, celebrity <laughs> Jeopardy. Uh, countdown Jeopardy. here. No, Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. It says it's a ratio that's calculated by dividing the market or estimated value of an asset by a specific item on the financial statements, which makes absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> well, first of all, that, that that's not the multiple that Sorry. we're referring to. That, but so it does uh, it does use the word multiple in it. So basically, a multiple is some some number. Okay, that you, I don't want to use the word multiply in the same sentence, but some identification that it is worth something times that. So if you're, if you have a seven multiple, okay, and you have a furniture inventory of $50,000 and you're basing it on the inventory valuation, you do seven times your inventory, you come out with a number, okay? Or you could do seven times the net income, or you could do seven times the assets, or seven times the revenue. So the multiple is just an actual number that you use to determine how much the company should be worth based on different uh, different sets of, of factors. And obviously, it doesn't work for the IP company because those are very hard to do. And that's why if you even look at it, people that don't know what an IPO or, or initial uh, public offering is, when companies come to market – they have difficulty sometimes creating what the valuation of the company is. They don't know how to value it, especially when, for instance, when Facebook came on board, they had no revenue or very little revenue, but they had you know hundreds of millions of, of subscribers, and that's why it had a high valuation. But so I don't know if I answered the question to you, Alex, but uh, if not, I can get well, further. I, well, I think it's I think it's a good good start, but let's take it back. It's a good explanation, but let's take it back a little to a lot of people when they're looking at this, right? So if your margins, so, so a lot of people look at if you're a product company or service company, or let's say you're a development R&D company, because I think, as you mentioned, like Facebook comes out, did they really have a lot of revenue? No, but they had a lot of what we call eyeballs, meaning potential for ad revenue was extremely high. So if you were if you were basing on that, basing uh, Facebook, I think the multiple was uh, something like 21 times 
earnings, right? Or 21 times revenue, actually. So it was, it was a huge number where you'd never see that. But a lot of companies, it depends on what you do. Like, for instance, you're a product company. There's an assumption people will make, and they're like, your gross margin has to be beyond this number. Usually we'll say 55% as, as, a, as a good number for a product company. And then you say, okay, well, I can, I can either look at the revenue line, you know, and, and, and look at the, mar- and it'll, I'll, you know, basically assess the, or, or calculate the, the, um, the bottom line or net revenue out of that, or I'll look at the net revenue line and say it's worth this many times the net revenue based on the outlook or, or what we'll call the site of where the company will be in two to five years. So if it looks like the market trends are favorable, then you always want to show them really other things other than the top line revenue or even the margin. So if you say, for instance, um, uh, I think most people can understand this, the market of the cloud, right? We talk about the cloud and the cloud is everything. Everything's moving to the cloud. Well, a lot of cloud companies will have very low revenue and very low margin because their infrastructure to build the company is still happening. You still have this huge infrastructure happening. But you look at it and you look at the forecast that's going on for the future or where we think we think it will be, the market will be, and the market's going to grow, say, by a thousand times. So you can assess the value of the company based on where the market or what the future trends look like versus what the revenue is. I hope that sounded clear. I mean, a furniture company is probably the other way around, right? Here's what my inventory is. Here's what I sell. Here's what I make. Boom. There we go. Maybe you're going to give me three times what my, my valuation is or my, my uh, revenue is, you know, as a good valuation. But I think that it becomes harder when you have non-tangibles like service involved and other things like that. So uh, I think we've discussed a lot of valuation. Some people are going to be like, oh, my God, you know, I'm not turning into an accountant, a finance show. So let's go a little bit on the sales part of it. Okay, so you've come up with a number. You think you know what it's worth. I mean, how do you sell it? That's a, that's a really good question. I, I mean, to me, the easiest way to do it, and again, if you're pushing the easy button, you hire a broker. And it's just like selling your house, real estate, anything else. You hire a broker, and the broker will help you with the valuation, so you may not have to do that. Probably upset you a little bit, just like you know, selling your house before the pandemic and home prices went up. What's it worse? Well, we can ask this, but you're really going to take this. It's going to be a very similar process to that. The difference really is, depending on the size of the business, what's popular today is what they call owner-carried financing, or the owner actually, and you probably want to talk about that a little bit, the owner financing part of the business so that people can get in at a more reasonable price, especially on a smaller business. You know, We're not talking about that if you're selling Facebook, you're going to hold paper on Facebook, but obviously with a small business, you might want to do that. You want to talk about how that works? That would be kind of great to talk about, Brian. So uh, we're just going to go a little bit into it because, again, the numbers are kind of boring to a lot of people. So quickly. What? Numbers boring? No, never. (laughs) Well, so seller financing is no different than real estate seller financing, right? Basically, the owner of the business is going to carry the paper, basically a promissory note alone with security of the business itself, meaning that if if the payment isn't made, that the company will be turned back over to the original owner, and it allows people to buy a business that they may not be able to get a loan for or may not have a backing to get a loan, and it protects the owner because the owner is in a position where they now um, are going to get more money potentially because they're giving out a loan, all right, Uh, and it can be 
taken uh, if there's a problem and the payments aren't made, they can go back in and take over the business. So it's very good to the owner; doesn't have to worry about it. Actually, it's good for this uh, the buyer as well because the buyer says, "Hey, listen, I know that the seller is going to make sure that I succeed because otherwise." I'm not going to be able to. I'm going to lose the business, and I'm going to have yeah. to come back in. So it actually it can be considered a win-win situation. But many many owners that are selling the business, they don't want to deal with this anymore. They're done. They're trying to retire to Miami, Florida, or Kauai, Florida, Hawaii, or or wherever they want, or go traveling. They don't want to deal with it. They're trying to get out of this stuff, and they don't want to deal with it. So uh, many many owners will do that. But usually, I think you can get a higher price. I believe. If you can offer seller financing, but there's a risk involved, and that, that that's that's pretty much as far as I want to go yeah. on that. Yeah, it's almost always that way, right? So you're going to get a higher price for it. You just have to, as you said, there's two ways to do it, or a couple of different ways, but you do it with a promissory note where the business comes back to you if you don't do it, or sometimes people will make people personally guarantee it, and and that usually, you know, that usually hurts on it. But so I, I think on. all of this. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to because I want to clarify something here. Okay, a promissory note can be unsecured or secured. So a promissory note without anything else is meaningless. But if you have a promissory note and you have a security agreement, the security agreement means that the business is securing the payment of the note. And when you file what's called a UCC one lien with the state where you're located in, now you have a lien. In that business, that allows the business owner to take back over the business. I'm sorry. Okay, who didn't want to go too deep on on this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> That's what my attorney's for. He's a really good attorney. I, I know this fi- guy. Can you find an attorney so. for me? Because I'm looking for one. <laughs> I did. He advertises on your show. He, he's quite good. <laughs> he's quite good. But you know, we we get we, we're talking about all this, but the thing we're kind of forgetting to to mention is that you have to have a really good set of books. And, and those books can't be like a meal. You can't cook them. They have to be a good set of books. you got to have the financials up front. So it's really hard to go into a sale of a business and then go, well, I'll go figure out all those financials later. I mean, we see this with incorporation, people taking note, you know, meeting, meeting notes and everything. You have to keep those things up. You have to have a great P&L, good financials. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get spanked in the thing that's called due diligence. You want to talk about that a little bit? The other hard part of selling well, your business? We're certainly not talking about spanking. Anyway, that was all done at the Oscars, and that was a slap, not a spank. Anyway, so Alex, you mentioned something about due diligence. What are you talking about? Yeah, Emily, due Emily diligence. look that up. That, Emily, look that up. Give us our Google 10 seconds. <laughs> due diligence. Yeah, we, 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 should, should that be Google? I'm wondering. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think it's, it, you know, we, we, we touched a little bit on, well, you hire a broker, but what else do you do if you don't hire a broker? Well, you know, you're going to have to get all your paperwork together. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to make sure that you have a pitch. I mean, if you work with a broker, they're going to have you build a pitch deck. The pitch deck is really, really kind of simple. What's, you know, what's, what is the business? Why are, you, why are you selling it? What's the future look like? What are the benefits of the business, you know, the assets? Why is the business better than everything else? You know, what's the future outlook? You know, what, what, how could you broaden the reach of the business? And then what are you asking for it? You know, the, that's really all the deck needs to be, and it's kind of a pitch like that. But then how do you get it in front of people? That's the hardest thing. And I think this is, this is where Google comes in handy. You Google selling my business online because just like everything else that we do, it's really simple to use one of the tools that are online to help sell your business. You can sell it local. You can sell it worldwide. You'd be surprised how many people come in from other areas to buy businesses. For instance, if you're selling a 
surf shop in Southern California, you might get someone from Southern California, but you might get someone from Ohio who just wants to, you know, have a surf shop. It's, it's, uh, it's a little bit crazy, but this is online has changed the way everything is done. I mean, real estate, businesses, everything gets sold online now. Well, so I, I did want to spend one minute for marketing, but we don't have a lot of time. So we're going to quickly go over due diligence. Basically, that is everything you say in a pitch, everything you say in an ad, everything you tell a person, uh, that needs to have proper documentation. So that's what due diligence is. Somebody is actually checking everything out. Okay, so you told me you did $3 million worth of revenue. Okay, prove it. You know, uh, I made $200,000 in taxes. How do I know this is true? You know, that's really what the quirk of due diligence is. We want to see. Yeah, that's the financial side. Then there'll be the customer side. You said you have 100 happy customers. Show me, right? Well, we'll just do a Yelp review anyway. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, yeah, certainly that. Uh, Contractually, too, legally. You want to know, well, okay, you've got a franchise agreement with McDonald's. Let me see it. Okay, that's the legal side of it, right? Uh, And as you say, you know, uh, I'm spending $200,000 in Google ads, okay? You know, let me see what you got. Or you have a product line where you have uh, an arrangement with a company in Taiwan to produce servers for you. You know, how do I know they're going to keep on doing it at the same price? So those are the type of things. But we don't have too much time left, and we did want to go over a little bit about marketing. So you don't have a broker before the due diligence, which is going to be conditioned to any agreement. Before the sale of financing, okay, you got to find the buyers. Where are the buyers? How do you get them? I think the easiest way is you go online. You work with one of the services that are online. They'll have templates and formats. You fill out all the information as complete as you can. They'll help you build the pitch online. And then it's up to you to make sure everything you say in there is honest and truthful. If you have debt, you have to say, I have debt. There's a lot of things that you don't really think about. When until you really go to sell it. So, you know, get all your stuff in line, get it up there, market it with one of the online companies, or, you know, I hate to say it, uh, but a broker still does the best job, in my opinion, that, that you can get. And sometimes uh, it also is not bad to ask some people who have already been through the process and, and get their opinion. Maybe some experts on AskBrian.com. I mean, great place to start, right? Well, that's a good thing, but whether or not you're going through a broker whether or not you're asking friends, whatever, whether or not you're going online, how do you know that person's reputable? You know, uh, if I just go online and I just go selling my business and 10 names pop up, well, how do I know they're good? That just means that they paid more money for an ad. That doesn't mean that they're qualified. Well, you're going to do the due diligence on them as well, right? That's where you're going to start. Show me the 10 businesses you sold. Show me the 20 you sold. It's all about reputation. You know, that's like any other business. I mean, look at their Yelp reviews. Uh, you have a pretty good idea. But there's a few very successful companies that have, have done this. I mean, I always say ask your attorney as well. They've usually, any attorney that has sold a business or has, has helped someone buy a business, they'll usually tell you who works well. And again, I think that if it's a local business, working with a local company is going to get you more results than working with someone who's nationwide. Thank you very much. I hate to interrupt you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you wasn't engaged. Yes, 1220, 98.1 FM. I feel badly for the guy. But the show is over, and uh, that's all uh, production costs I can handle. Thank you very much. <laughs> Have a great week. Welcome, welcome, welcome. As Brian Radio. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.